Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this is episode number 25. If you didn't know, the Sacred City Life Podcast is a podcast about following Jesus in the everyday uh, rhythms of life, and so we cover all kinds of different things, but recently, as... um, There's been a lot of questions coming at us about what's going on in our culture uh, racially. This is turning into a little bit of the Thursday conversation where I'm just, um, after a busy week, a long week really, get the sermon prep pretty much done and I go work out and I come back in the afternoon and I just sit down, no notes, and just kind of give some unfiltered conversations. And uh, we started with just a conversation about what's going on and maybe some... um, uh, white privilege and uh, systemic racism. And then last week we talked about the sin of partiality and I gave some some more statistics and some things. And today I, I kind of want to talk about two, um, answer two questions. The first question is what should we think about Black Lives Matter? And then the second one is what is biblical justice or I could you, we could say should we be concerned with quote social justice and um, that's where we're going to go this that's where we're going to go today so f- the first thing I want us to do is think about the black lives ma- black lives matter how should a Christian think about Black Lives Matter. Well, first off, I want us to I want us to break that statement up into three different categories. First, the words together, Black Lives Matter, form a sentence that every single Christian should say yes and amen to. Every human being is made in the image of image of God, Imago Dei, with dignity, value, and worth. Um, God is creative, and so he made some of us with more melanin in our skin than others. He made black is beautiful, and white is beautiful, and uh, brown is beautiful. And so we can unequivocally say black lives matter. That doesn't mean any other lives don't matter. Same way we say unborn lives matter, because those unborn babies are being killed. So we they're not being they've been treated they're being treated like they don't matter and so we say they do matter it doesn't mean that all lives don't matter and just like as it seems in our culture that black lives don't matter as they're being um, killed and 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 put in prison um, at a far greater uh, rate and percentage than the rest of the population it seems like they don't matter and so we can say no black lives do matter full stop full stop so if you're a Christian and you can't say Black Lives Matter, man, I've got a I've got an issue with you, and I think you've got an issue with the gospel because you are. I mean, to say that to an African American or to say that so your African American brother or sister can hear, I mean, that's affirming their dignity, value, and worth. And some I know we can be afraid. Oh, I'm not going to virtue signal. I'm not going to be the left's not going to make me say what I you know any. They're not going to compel my speech and all. Okay. I understand where you're coming from, but if that's actually preventing you from loving your brother or standing up and and, and letting and letting your brother know that you're you've got his back and that you believe his life does have value and and the black uh, family members and the black people in our church that you can't stand up and say that, I mean I I think you're a coward. I think you're a coward. I think you're more concerned about being 
um, labeled as a left-wing zealot or a social justice warrior than you are about loving your brother and sister. And so I think you should man up and say, Black Lives Matter. Now, Black Lives Matter is also a movement. You could say it's a social justice movement. You could say it's a civil rights movement. And because it's a movement, you can't really clarify, you can't really get specific on what is it about, okay? And what I mean by that is you're going to have people on the far left saying, this is what Black Lives Matter is about. And then you're going to have, I'm going to say, people like me, who's more who's conservative and, and I'm saying, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't agree with you. That's what that's about. I'm going to be a part of this movement because I'm saying black lives matter. And so, yes, we should do police reform. Yes, we should do educational reform. Yes, we should do, um, uh, the correctional uh, facility reform and correctional center reform, um, uh, prison reform, all that. Yes, I'm, I'm saying that, but, but the, the far left is, is wanting to, to hijack this, these words and make it about their own agenda. But here's the deal. When it comes to things in the culture, there are things always, think about, think of it like a Venn diagram, okay? There's things that we can, or just think about it in three separate ways. Again, um, try perspectival here. There's things that we, sh- we can reject from the culture outright, right? They're biblically clear. We can, we can reject the sexual revolution. We can reject... Um, the redefining of gender, gender, we can reject all of those things. Okay. So there's a lot of things that just are sin. We can reject them. Okay. Then there's some things in the culture that are, that are, that are in line with Christianity. They're in line with the good, the true, and the beautiful. And we can fully accept those things in our culture. And then there's this third category where there's some things that need to be redeemed. There's some things that the culture takes and they take them too far. Or they don't take it far enough. And the Christian needs to step in, in this third, third way and redeem that thing. And it's, it's not good. It's not bad. It needs to be, you need to walk the fine line in the middle and, and redeem it. You can think of music as something like this. You know, you could music is, or money or anything, you know, like it, it's, it's not necessarily good. It's not necessarily bad. How are you going to use it? You can redeem it. Okay. I want to think of, the Black Lives Matter movement in that third way. So when I go to, and here's why, the Black Lives Matter rally that we had uh, in Davenport, that wasn't connected to any other outside organization. That was Quad City Interfaith, I think, and, and a student kind of put it on. So it was really a lot of mostly pastors that did it, but it was called Black Lives Matter. And so we're using the language Black Lives Matter because we believe it in the Imago Dei. We're marching. We're peaceful protesting. We had the police there. We had the mayor there. We weren't, um, we weren't, you know, rioting. We weren't going to the extreme and, you know, uh, you know, chanting defund the police or whatever. We were there because we can align with the culture. Now, this is what we believe. We can align with the culture in saying Black Lives Matter and there should be, and we should be reforming, always reforming. We should always be repenting of racism. We should always be trying to create a more just society. And so we can come alongside people. So I'm at this rally and there's clearly people there that I don't agree with. There's clearly, um, people on the far, far left. And there's, there's some people that are on the right and there's, there's, 
every gender that you could think of and every sexuality that you could think of. Now, I wouldn't agree with all of their policies, but I can agree on this one thing. Black lives matter and we should seek to reform. Okay, so first, black lives matter is a sentence. Every Christian should say yes and amen. Black lives matter as a movement. Now that's very murky. It's very gray. There's going to be some things I say yes to and some things I say no to. But here's the deal. Think of it just like this. Some of you, you know, we have the last election and even in this present election, I hear many times, well, there's nobody good to vote for. So you're going to vote for the lesser of two evils. And you know that you could say, let's just say you're you're planning on voting for President Trump because he says he's pro-life and um, and that's your top value, maybe even a single issue, you're a single issue voter. Well, you, you're going to look past a lot of President Trump's faults because of this one issue. And so you know you can align with him uh, because this one issue is so important to you. You can align with him even though he says vulgar things, even though he says racially charged things and he uses incendiary language and whatever, right? And so you recognize you're, you're aligning yourself with Trump, even though there's some clear areas that you don't agree with. Well, I, I would say the same thing can be said of the Black Lives Matter movement. We can align ourselves in one sense and we can march and we can do some things um, and we can say Black Lives Matter. And yet we can still reject any area or avenue where they want to take it away from um, biblical justice or or things that are, that are biblically permissible. And then that brings me to the third category of Black Lives Matter. So again, one, as a sentence, two, as a movement, which as a movement, by the way, they say that this is the the largest civil rights movement in the history of the world. So this is going to be in the history books, that this is that large, it's on that many continents, um, larger than the civil rights movements in the early 60s. And so we want to be, we want, I would say we should, Christians would, would want to align ourselves with the movement that's, that's bringing about racial equality or that's continuing the work maybe of the civil rights movement and continuing the work of, um, of equal rights. Now, I know you can argue with me that, and this is where I'm going to get into the third category. Third category is the Black Lives Matter as an organization. Now, that this is just kind of the culture we're in, is if, there, if a hashtag starts trending somebody's going to make a website and somebody's going to market to it and somebody's going to create an organization probably around it. And so the Black Lives Matter organization, from my perspective, Christians can completely reject and Christians can completely push away from. Um, The majority of the money goes to far left organizations that are not just pushing racial equality, equality, but they're pushing this, what you can call it, the sexual revolution um, gender fluidity, um, LGBTQ plus uh, ideology. Um, two of the founding members identify as queer. Uh, African American females identify as queer. I think. I mean, I, I don't know. I just probably messed that up with the, the gender um, names. So, all kind of ideology there. Socialism, um, rejective rejection of capitalism. Um, wants to burn down, basically wants to burn down every institution in the United States and start from scratch. They don't believe in reform. They don't believe in, in, you know, taking what's existing and making it better or incremental growth. 
They just want to burn it down and start over with a new experiment. Okay. Um, I would say if you go to their website, if you read that kind of stuff, they're, you know, they're pushing a, a complete political ideology that I would, I would reject. Okay. And you could call it cultural Marxism. You could call it social Mark. You could call it socialism. You can call it all kinds of different things because it's, it's jacked up and the Christian can 100% push away from that and reject that. And so I realize that when you, some of you, when you hear Black Lives Matter, you immediately think the organization, you immediately think the far left fringe group that's pushing this, 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 uh, ideology down everybody's throats through the media and through, through, you know, the left politicians and through movie stars and all these different people that are doing it. And I get it. You're, you know, you are right. That, that is that. But there, I want us to think of Black Lives Matter in three different phases here, okay? The personal statement, 100% agree with. The movement that we can reject some things and we can accept some things for our black brothers and sisters, right? So that we can let them know that we value them and they have dignity, value, and worth. And we're, we want to fight for their equal rights. And then the, the Black Lives Matter organization, I think we can wholeheartedly reject and push away from. Okay. So now that, um, causes me to get through, uh, or to get to the second issue that I want to discuss today. And that is, should Christians, um, be involved in social justice? Um, Now, this question usually comes from this vantage point. Um, There's been culture wars going on for a long time, uh, mainly between, um, well, you could call it the right and the left. You could call it um, fundamentalism and liberalism. And even in the church, there were the mainstream mainstream Christianity, and there was the fundamentalists. And the mainstream religion, the mainstream Christianity, if you think of mainstream Presbyterian, mainstream Lutheran, mainstream Methodist, um, they embraced what, what's been called a social gospel. So they were wanted to get out there in the streets. They did the civil rights thing. They wanted to help the poor. They wanted they wanted to be involved in the cities and involved in politics. They wanted to be making the world a better place. The problem was they did all that and they stopped preaching the gospel. And so all of that, they just became like good works centers. And so it was, it was a social gospel that lost the gospel. And it was a, it was a long, slow slide into liberalism. And then they started denying the divinity of Christ and they started divide, uh, denying miracles and they denied the authority of the scriptures. And now you can go to many mainstream, mainstream Presbyterian churches in our city, uh, Edwards Congregational Church, uh, Lutheran, Lutheran churches. You can go to these mainstream churches and you can step into them and they get up and it sounds just like Oprah in a 15-minute homily, a 15-minute talk with no gospel, with no scripture in it at all. And these churches have completely, they're dying and they're, you know, they're all declining in membership. Most of them are old, old people and nobody wants that to happen to us. Right. And so I get it. There's a reason why 
we can push away and we can say, I don't want anything to do with social gospel. I don't want anything to do with social justice because I've seen what's happened here. Well, I would say don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like if you preach the gospel and you do social work or you seek social justice, to me, that's the very simple, clear answer that God is always a God of justice and that God is always, he wants the world to be just. He wants the world to be equitable. He wants us as his image bearers to image him on this earth. And so we can't just, if we're seeing injustice, we can't just leave it, right? We can't just leave it untouched. Isaiah says this, Isaiah 1 verses 16 and 17 says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Now that's one text. I'm going to preach on a little, I'm going to bring it out in my sermon on Sunday as well. I could go to dozens of texts on justice, but most people are not, maybe most people don't have a biblical framework of what justice is, of what biblical justice is. Or shalom, as the Old Testament talks about it. Shalom is peace, but it's more than an absence of conflict. And I think that's what many people, many people lack a biblical imagination for justice. In the same way, that when you say, what's heaven going to be like? Most people, all they say are negatives. All they say are, well, there's not going to be any weeping. There's not going to be any crying. There's not going to be any death. You hear that? It's all the things that aren't going to be there. Well, many people think that peace or justice is all of that. Like, as long as I'm not racist, as long as I'm not killing people, as long as I'm, you know, it's like, it's, it's, but, or as long as there's not those things in our society, but the act, shalom is actually a positive, is a positive thing. It's a positive quality. It's the presence of peace in, in the city. And we know in Jeremiah that when, the, when the um, captives got brought off to Babylon, that God told them to seek the welfare of the city. Seek the blessing, seek the good of the city. And in the city, as you're seeking the welfare, I'm going to bless you. And so God puts us here as lights in a dark place. And we are meant to be a light. We are meant to gather together in the church. The church should be a microcosm of the kingdom of God. And so there should be justice in the church. There should We should be taking care of the fatherless. We should be giving justice to those who aren't getting justice. We should be pleading the widow's cause, as Isaiah says. We should be working for justice, and and specifically in the church. Now, here's the question many people ask. Okay, yes, I agree we should be doing that in the church. Should we be involved outside the church? Well, for me, I, I mean, it's it's kind of simple. I'm like, that's what a missionary does. A missionary gets involved in the culture to both win people to Christ and to correct oppression and to seek justice and to do good and to plead the widow's cause. The gospel saves me and then sends me out 
to do those things. And so, um, should we, we be involved in doing good in our city? I think everyone's going to say yes. Well, one of my friends said this to me this week. Listen, it's one thing to go out and make a dinner for somebody and drop it off one time a week. But when you're saying, I need to be involved in understanding, quote unquote, systemic injustice or pushing back systemic injustice, that's really going to require a whole lot more of me. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. Now, I don't think we're all called by God to, you know, you know, bring about uh, legal reform, right? But I think there's some of us who uh, we should all be informed about it. We should all um, know when laws are unjust and we should all voice our opinions to our legislators and we should all vote our consciences. Um, but if you're, but if you are educated in law, then yeah, you should be, you're, God has placed you in that position to do that very thing, to seek justice, to overthrow oppression to plead the widow's cause. And so um, all through all through the scriptures, we see God pleading for the minority. We see God pleading for the widow, for the fathers. We see some people don't understand that social justice is a biblical category. And in the Old Testament, Jesus, or Jesus, father, the father God, father said, told the farmers, to leave the edges, to not glean on the edges of the field so the poor could come in behind them and would have something to eat, wouldn't have to beg for food, but they could actually go out and work and they could get the extras in the field. That there's all kind of, quote-unquote, social justice laws in the Old Testament. We even preached through many of them as we went through um, the last chapters of the book of Exodus when we preached through Exodus. And so, should a Christian be speaking up for the fatherless? Absolutely. Well, who is the fatherless in our society? Well, a large percentage, 80% of African-American families are fatherless. And so we should be speaking up for them. We should be concerned. We should care. And we should be doing everything we can to figure out the problem. Is the problem systemic racism? Maybe not. I think we all know it's a systemic problem. I don't think anyone denies it's a systemic problem. They just want to argue if it's systemic racism or not. Maybe it's not. I'm not concerned about the word racism. I'm concerned about the systemic problem that's causing 80%, that's creating and helping and, and um, propagating a system that 80% of African-American families are, are growing up without a dad in the home. That's a huge problem, and we should be heartbroken over it. And yes, personally, we should be doing something around our dinner tables and in our home, and we should be reaching out through any organization that we can we can do in the Quad Cities to help, but we should also be fighting to reform the systems that either make it worse, that prop it up, or that created it to begin with, and should the Christian be involved in that? For me, I just literally scratch my head and go, how could we not? How could we not look at a systemic problem, a systemic injustice, and not weep with those who weep and cry out with those and and fight and want to fight for them and want to help them, right? So, um, yeah, and I think we see, I think we, 
I think we see this all. I think Jesus shows us this. I think we see this all, um, all through the scriptures that we are to um, seek justice. We are to walk humbly with our God. We are to um, do good. And so that's like a brief synopsis, I think, of should Christians be involved in social justice? Now, I know some people say this, hey, Justin, we know this is a sinful world. We're never going to, the kingdom is never going to be here until Jesus shows up. So why try? Now that, you you know, you don't, I I don't know anybody who actually really believes that. So you really think that we should just, you know, we should just throw our hands up and give up, right? Just stop mowing our grass, right? Like Jesus is coming, I'm just going to stop paying my bills and I'm just going to hunker down in my house and I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come back. You know we have a responsibility to be good citizens. A good a citizen of heaven is meant to be a good citizen on earth. And so, and you know we're part of a representative democracy. So our voting matters, our education on our, on our um, politicians and who we're voting for matters. The laws that we have on the books, they all matter. And so... Um, just because it's not going to be fixed before Jesus comes back doesn't mean we should be, shouldn't be working right now for incremental justice, incremental progress, um, in, incremental improvement so that we can bring about, here it is, human flourishing. Like that's what shalom is. Shalom is more than nothing missing, nothing lacking. Shalom is the presence of, of the positive trait of human flourishing, right? It's not just the removal of negatives, right? So in one sense, Christians, we're, we're not just to like remove all the barriers. We're to actually help people flourish. And of course, they have to embrace the gospel in order for their souls to flourish, in order for them to eternally flourish. And then there's a lot of other things that are going to bring about human flourishing. And so we want to be about human flourishing and we want our cities to be a better place to live in. And so, I mean, this, and this is like integral to the DNA of our church that when we say we want to make disciples, we want to plant churches and we want to renew the city. This is what we're talking about. Restoring everything that's broken, bringing about human flourishing and bringing about repentance and faith and in the people of our city. So um, hopefully that maybe helped you a little bit. I'm going to expand on that a little bit on Sunday because it just so happens that our text on Sunday, um, the Apostle Paul tells um, masters or I'm going to, I'm going to use like CEOs, employees, those in power to treat their employees, treat their citizens, treat those underneath them with justice and fairly, and fairly, just and fairly. And so the Christian is to work out of a framework of justice and fairness. And so I pray that this would give us a heart to see justice uh, rule, rule the day, justice to rule our country, justice to rule our systems, justice to rule um, our city. So guys, I, that was a little bit short of a podcast. I hope it was a blessing. I hope it's again, continuing this conversation. If you have questions, please email me. Again, these podcasts keep coming up because you keep e- emailing me questions or calling me or texting me or or 
texting another elder and asking, well, what about this? Well, what about that? And so that helps me say, oh, okay, I wasn't very clear on that. Let me clarify a little bit. So hopefully I could, I, I clarified uh, a little bit today. Keep praying, keep loving, and keep listening, and let's grow. We are asking God to heal wounds that have been 300 years in the making. And we know that doesn't happen quickly, um, but we believe the church is meant to be biracial, multicultural, multiracial, because every dividing wall has been destroyed and the blood of Jesus unites us all in one. And we want to be leading. I mean, it is kind of a shame that this a far left organization called Black Lives Matter might be more inclusive, more radically inclusive than the church of Jesus Christ when they have no cross, they have no savior, they have no repentance. That's, in one sense, that's a, that's a shame. That's a shame. And, uh, and so I pray that, that we, would, we would embrace the, the cross of Jesus Christ. We would turn from our sins of racism and our, maybe even our complicitness or complicity um, with racism, our silence on it. That um, one of the great things that I've seen is this word anti-racism. And I just think it's brilliant because it's, it, that's, that's the stance of a Christian. We're not just not racist. We are actually fighting against racism. We want to actually bring about love. So we are anti-racist. And so I pray that we would just keep praying and keep seeking and keep loving and keep learning as we're on this road together. I love you guys. Uh, Again, my email, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. God bless you, and I will talk to you soon.